and welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers! So pumped to have you guys here. My name's Mike Burge. I'm your host, as always, on Over Drinkers. Uh, today we have the beginning of something brand new in this 2018 adventure that we are all involved in right now. Uh, but it's the most special one, so I'll save explaining that till the end. Today, I am joined by the insanely lovely <laughs> and intellectually gifted Rhea Banerjee. Wow, that's a very flattering introduction. I gotta, I gotta flatter you on this one because we're gonna be, we are going to be talking about some crazy stuff on this episode. For so sure. right off the bat, I'm going to like pad up how compassionate right. and moralistic I am right off the bat. Exactly. Uh, today we are going to be talking about a very, very amazing film. We're going to be talking about the reboots so to speak of the james bond franchise from 2006 casino royale the first in the daniel craig era of james bond but we're also going to be touching on pretty much james bond as a whole right throughout it james all james bond as a as a film character yes yeah. uh, a book character as well um, I, yeah i'm a little bit more familiar with the books i'd imagine than you we haven't really talked about it we tried not to talk too right. much about it. I've read a right. lot of the books. That's great because so you you'll have a better understanding of the canon than I do. Right. I know the film canon. You'll know the book canon. Well, I know the film canon too. Well, well obviously. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. Uh, and before we get a little too ahead of ourselves, because I always do this on Overdrinkers today, Overdrinkers, we are uh, drinking some delicious Vesper martinis. Delicious. Delicious. It is uh, three ounces of gin. Gordon's is the recommended. Uh, one ounce vodka and half ounce lelay served with a lemon twist. So, Rhea, cheers to you. Cheers. I, I went and bought brand new martini glasses just for oh, this. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, that's super cool. My God. Very tasty. And uh, stirred, not shaken, is actually the preferred way. If you shake it up too much, the lelay becomes a little too sweet. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. So, uh... Casino Royale. I'm gonna jump it off to you, uh, dude. What 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 made you wanna? Because we we were uh, at a really kind of drunken bar rant after another podcast that I had done with some other people, and we bumped into you shortly afterwards, and we all just started talking about movies, and there was like a group of six of us there. We started talking about James Bond, and that's kind of where this idea came right, from. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What what. Uh, made you go like fucking James Bond. That's what I want to talk about. Well, James Bond movies in general, I've always loved just because it's a great character. It's a historical character. There's like 50 years, 50 plus at this point, years of film history when you look at James Bond movies as an arc. Um, Casino Royale, I remember when it came out and the whole idea was, oh, it's a reboot of the James Bond franchise. And I remember when it was announced that Daniel Craig was James Bond and there are some people out there in the world who apparently care about things like James Bond can't be blonde. And blue you know, eyed. And blue eyed. Like what is you Which know, is blue eyes are like the most Yeah, I mean but that's important like important part about what the, okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I remember going in to watch it to be because I was like, Oh, they're rebooting the franchise, what does that even mean? when you're rebooting a character that has existed for so long and that there are already so many 
movies that are already out there featuring this character, how do you reboot an old character? Something in that's already been technically rebooted. Yeah, several time times. and time that's, again before reboots were even right, a thing. Because that's part of that's part of the way the Bond franchise works. Is every few movies they get a new Bond, mm-hmm. and that's like part of the whole Bond thing. So they're like, oh, we're going to reboot the character. What does that mean? So they're going to pick another white guy, right? Another white. And when I have, <laughs> yeah, that's just weird. Look, I, I know. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, we'll I'm get sure. there. Um, you know, so it's like, what, what does that mean to reboot a character that's always being rebooted in a sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went in being like, I don't, I don't know what rebooting means. I, I with movies sometimes there's some movies that I'll read reviews before I go to the theater to watch it because I'm curious to see what people really? are saying. This was one of the ones where I was like, I don't know what they mean by reboot, so I'm just going to try to go in fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was clever, but also it's kind of a mind fuck, the idea that they're going to go back to this is who James Bond was before he was like famous for being 007. But in the context also, of the in the context of the story, of the story like, but it's it feels also, like everybody knows who James Bond is, right? Exactly. In like some of the movies, like oh yeah, James Bond, like yeah, like famous. He James saved Bond. the world like eighteen times right, already. Exactly. Like we all know who the the mythical 007 is. So the idea of going back to this is who he was before he was James Bond, uh-huh. famous James Bond. But it's also a very 2006 movie. It's not like they were trying to do a period film. It's not like they were like, all right, now we're going to make a movie and we're going to pretend it's the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's a bit of a mind fuck conceptually when you go into a movie I like feel that. That's a, a really interesting thing with this movie where it – one of the things about James Bond being somebody that watches James Bond in the year 2005 when they started making this movie mm-hmm. – is that you look at James Bond and all of the movies are products of their time. Right. Uh, because they were made in the sense of how the world operates at this exact time. Whether it be like they, you know, they're, they're, they're like, oh, skiing is really hot right now. Let's <laughs> let's have a skiing scene or, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Jet skis just got invented. Have them jet ski. Like they do stuff like that. And they're always like that in Casino Royale now that it's been out for over 10 years has yeah. that same placement where you're looking at the way that they're utilizing phones and the internet right. back in 2006. And that was just the most high-tech way that they could present it back then. Right. But now 10 years detached, it's become just as detached from our world now as something from like, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s and yeah. so on. Yeah. And so it's – I really feel like the older Casino Royale gets, the more the more similarities pop up Um Aesthetically, between uh, the older James Bond movies and these newer ones. Sure. I mean, and that's one of the things that's great about Casino Royale is that stylistically, it is a modern film or modern as of 2006 film. But they were, there's elements of James Bond that are classic James Bond and the tuxedo James Bond mm. as, you know. And like this the, movie breaks all of those things exactly. down in a very well-mannered way that doesn't feel like fan service. Right. Everything, that's the one thing in rewatching this movie. I've seen this, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a brilliant movie. This is one of my top ten movies of all time. It is 
It's a, a movie joy that to watch. stands on its own. If you aren't even a Bond fan, and if you've not Absolutely. seen a single Bond movie before or since, mm-hmm. it can stand alone as, as a, a great very story and a and great if, movie. And if yeah. you're the right kind of Bond fan that understands the intricacies and the weaknesses and pros of the Bond as Bond as a character, right. this movie very much breaks them down. This movie, and we'll get into this deeper later on but like in what you're saying as where they were approaching it as rebooting Mm -hmm. they were also taking a very hard look at what makes bond bond exactly martin campbell directed this film he also directed goldeneye the pierce brosnan that makes a lot of sense Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and one of the things about goldeneye that a lot of people don't notice um or maybe they do. I just feel like not a lot of people talk about it. Is there's this uh, first off uh, uh, hiring Dame Judi Dench as mm-hmm. M mm-hmm. that started in Goldeneye, mm-hmm. and this continues on to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting that Martin Campbell, as the director, chose Ju- Judi Dench to be M, chose for M to be a woman, right, and then continues that on with the same actress in this new incarnation that right. he is also directing. Uh, which Goldeneye is the best Bond movie. Ooh, okay. We're and gonna... Casino Royale <laughs> is the best Bond film. Oh, I think I see what you're getting. Goldeneye. In the same sense hmm. that what you just said, where you don't need to know Bond no, to sure. really okay, like Casino Royale. What you're saying. But yeah, Goldeneye yeah. takes all of those tropes for the past like 30 years that right. made Bond cool and turns them on themselves in a very early 90s blockbuster type of way, the same way Casino Royale does. Like, Judy M has uh, a conversation, her first conversation with James Bond and Goldeneye, and she's like, I think that you're a relic of the past. You're this misogynistic, Mm, sexist piece of shit. Right. And I don't like you, but we know that she does in the same way that a mother would love her, like, shithead son. Right. You know, like, I know that you're. this is just the way that you're built, Right. And I know that you're coming from the and and Goldeneye is one of the first ones where they really tried to um, pacify how James Bond treats women sure. and people yeah, yeah, yeah. of the world. You yeah, know, the Timothy Dalton ones like uh, Living Daylights yeah. and License to Kill. They kind of toyed with that idea, but they were more going towards the book where he was just like this kind of grungy motherfucker right. after coming off of like the high ho of Roger Moore. Right. They were going back to the Sean Connery right. kind of stuff. That's a, that's a great way to describe the Roger Moore movies. Right. They're very yeah. like <laughs> chipper and like, hello. Yeah. It's like Disney's James Bond yeah. is Roger Moore's <laughs> I'm here with a well-timed wisecrack and I look good in a suit. And we've got and Christopher Walken, yeah. and he's uh, he's doing stuff. Right. Laugh. Right. Laugh, damn it. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I always look at GoldenEye, I look at Casino Royale as just fucking amazing, and I really hope that when they eventually do recast, mm. I hope Martin Campbell comes back for another yeah. one, kind of completes this trilogy of, of being the of guy the who Bond directs reboots, the first, that, that directs the, the, the first, first one. new yeah. Bond, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, I've, you know, in, in some, you know, research I've done about the whole Bond franchise and people that they've considered for the role of Bond and people who've turned down Bond and people who... What did I just read the other day that I never knew? Um, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Turned yeah, down yeah, the role yeah. of Bond yeah. in uh, the 90s, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Liam Neeson's turned it down. Colin Firth for the, has turned for it down. For the Pierce Brosnan era, yes. right? Liam yeah. Neeson was yeah. offered it, and he said yeah. he didn't want to do it because he doesn't like doing action movies. And then he does Taken. And well, Taken 2. He two, hadn't learned his particular set of skills yet. Yeah, and he the, what was the airplane movie? The one where it was like he was... Uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, yeah. He's... Airplane movie that he there did? Was, he oh, was in a, the uh, non-stop. nonstop. Nonstop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Commuter is just out right now. And Commuter actually looks really cool. I'm kind of interested to see it. Yeah. It looks like it's got like a fun <laughs> cast of characters. They've got... Right. Uh, uh, Jonathan Banks is in it from Breaking Bad. Oh, he's amazing. I, fucking, he's I would amazing. pay $11 to see Jonathan Banks act for five minutes in a two-hour movie. I would pay I $11 to watch Jonathan Banks read the phone book out loud to me. Yeah. I could pick other things I'd like to hear him read. <laughs> Counting toothpicks. Like, yeah. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> that would be Jonathan great. Banks. That would be super cool. Jonathan Banks, if you're listening, we will pay for this. <laughs> um... So in researching, back to what I was saying, actors who have been offered Bond and have turned Bond down. Colin Firth turned down James Bond at some point in now the 90s. Now he's got Kingsman. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Grant has turned it down. Hugh Grant would have been really silly in the role. I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. I love uh, Hugh Grant. Yeah. Uh, Rafe Fiennes was actually offered Bond, I believe, in the Brosnan when they gave it to Brosnan. Rafe was, and so it's it's kind of better cool. Bond villain. Yeah, well, it's kind of cool that Rafe shave is, his head, take off his nose, make him really pale, give right. him a wand. Right, great Bond villain. <laughs> but it's cool that Rafe has now come back as the new M. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of comes full he circle. He is fantastic He's as great. that as well. Yeah, it's really like. When you're going to go from having Judy Dench right. as your character, and it doesn't even fucking matter mm-hmm. uh, if it was a male character before that. You got yeah. Judy Dench doing this shit for, what, uh, it was seven films at the time? When I she, think so, when yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven? Yeah. You got to have somebody that can fucking own it. And the right. Fines brothers oh, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are in my heart. Joe. Joe's great. Joey. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale. Oh, Yeah. Have you ever seen Enemy at the Gates? No, I have not. Oh, my God, dude. Well, Joe is like, I mean, like, Shakespeare in Love is a movie that, like, everyone's like, oh, that's Gwyneth Paltrow's star-making turn or whatever. Mm -hmm. That movie doesn't work if Shakespeare isn't charismatic and amazing and hot and sexy. And that's all Joe finds. Shakespeare in Love is a movie that I made fun of up until about a little over a year ago. Because it, it, it yeah. stole the award from Saving Private Ryan and oh, yeah, I yeah, hold yeah, a yeah. grudge against it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we showed it for our Shakespeare month last February in 2017. Right. Uh, and I showed it because a lot of people wanted to see it. Yeah. I wasn't too familiar with it. I'd seen it once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's my level of not being that familiar <laughs> with the movie. I've seen it like once or twice. Yeah. I uh, just wasn't really into it. And when I watched Shakespeare in Love uh, with a group of people at our uh, screening... That movie works. Yeah, that and movie the, works. And the reason so why well. it works, two reasons why it works is one is is Joe Fines is hot, and that's that's what hot. makes that story like hot he's like, he's sexy. He's like Shakespeare oh, he's is, and sexy. like he's you know like you get why somebody would be compelled by this man. You get why somebody would risk her whole life and social stand. I'm like also she you know like Viola loves theater and loves plays yeah. and loves poetry. But, like, she took a huge risk to be involved with him. Well, because he's like, also got, like, that late 90s uh, brining of, like, that, that that sweet little salt and pepper of, yeah. like, I'm kind of an idiot. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. like, and those are the best romantic comedies where like the main character is this man who is super charismatic, looks really nice in underwear, but is also <laughs> kind of an idiot. And yeah. the woman that he's falling in love with is way smarter than he is. Right. And more often than not, whether it was intended by the writers or not, right. uh, usually he's in more of a position of power than mm-hmm. she is. Not in just the general sense, because duh. Mm-hmm. But I mean more like he's more successful mm-hmm. in his job than normally she is. Mm-hmm. Right? Am I? That's well, usually I mean, like, how the romantic comedies yeah, in the 90s Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and then to, to that story in particular, like, she, she her, her job is to just be a fancy lady waiting to marry right. uh, Colin Firth. To and he's a guy that's just like, we're waiting circle. for your next big thing. Where yeah. are you? And he's like... Oh me, oh my! I just, yeah, like, I'm just how how will I ever? You right, know, it's like right. it's it's a really good movie on writer's block. Yeah, which I think is cool. Yeah, uh, well, and like, and what's 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 great about the movie too is Tom Stoppard wrote the script, and he's a brilliant playwright, fucking amazing, brilliant writer, dialogue writer, and he's and and it's like you can tell it, it's a story about a guy with writer's block, and you can tell that it's. It's stupid to say, oh, this movie was written by someone who's a writer. But, like, Tom Stoppard is a writer. Right. You know, like, he's not just like, oh, I dabble in screenplays. I'm like, he's a play Any movie writer. written yeah. was written by a writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it's when you can, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. you can look at it and you can go, this was written by a writer on what it is to be a exactly. writer, to be an exactly. artist, to create. Um, I'm going to try to bend this back towards James Bond because this is all related. Right. This is all James Bond as a character. Let's talk about James Bond as a character. Right, right, right. It's, uh, Daniel Craig. Right. Being cast as James Bond was like. Like you said before, like blonde hair and blue eyes. Right, exactly. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. It's really, it's really crazy now. Like we said before, like you look back on it, yeah, and you can't imagine anybody having any problem with it <laughs> right, because exactly. everybody now is just like Daniel Craig he's is the like big the, Bond. He's like, I feel like in my conception of Bond, he's like a definitive Bond. He's like a like when you look at who played Bond in the history of who has played Bond, mm-hmm. Connery, obviously the definitive Bond in some ways. Um, I mean, probably the de- well, he was the definitive yeah. Bond. Um, you know, and, and it's it's this idea of like Bond has to be tall, dark, and handsome, and broody, and whatever. Daniel Craig is totally broody and totally, you know, troubled. He has that sort of, you know, like what do you think of as James Bond as a troubled character? Like, right, that's, like he Daniel does, yeah. Daniel Craig is the Bond that like the Bonds that we've had before. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Sean Connery was the ladies' man, every man's man kind of right. thing. Men want to be him. Right. Women want to be with him. And to jump in about other actors who turned down Bond, the story is the character of James Bond as a film character. Okay. Not the book character, but when they were talking about how to adapt James Bond to a film character and have a film franchise or just a film about James Bond, Cary Grant, they offered it to Cary Grant before they offered it to anybody else. Really? Yeah. But when you think about it, like... But, like, what year was that? That was, I mean, like, and I'm thinking about this in terms of, like, Christmas Day, Turner Classic Movies did, like, a Hitchcock marathon. Right. 
And they had, you know, vertigo, well, like, rear they, window. They, they had as, a, you know, uh, by, yeah. They had a 1954 Casino Royale movie that was uh, made where they they shot it live as yeah. it went out. Yeah. And it's and they like they it was like really they Americanized it. It was like uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, James Bond was like an American CIA agent instead of yeah, yeah, six yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that, like Secret Service right, kind of thing. Right. Uh, but like, and then in in uh, the the, the was it the 60s they had the Casino Royale movie right, where it was right. like Woody Allen? Yeah, hey. when, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Sellers. And Peter Sellers. Yeah, yeah. Which, have you seen that? I have. It is it's a great like, little movie. It's the proto-Austin Powers. It's fucking nuts how Austin yeah, Powers that movie that's is. Exactly, it's, like, it's like Austin Powers' is DNA is if that movie. you had told me that there was something... In the James Bond filmography, that was more Austin Powers than every Roger Moore James Bond oh, movie. <laughs> I would have told you no. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely yeah. not. There's no way because like that's like you watch you like you watch Octopussy or Moonraker. You're <laughs> yeah. like that's Austin Powers. Yeah, like, no, he's exactly. Doing that exact so thing. that's the thing. So let's so so when we, we when I think about James Bond as a character, I think about the prototype for James Bond was. Cary Grant, Cary Grant's movie right. person. Cary and Cary Grant, if you'll remember, Cary Grant was a constructed persona. There's Archibald Leach, and that's who Cary Grant was born. He was born Archibald Leach. He's a you know Cockney from the from, film. Yeah, well, no, 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 but that, that's Cary Grant's birth name is Archibald Leach. Mm-hmm. He grew up in poverty, Cockney. He had acrobat training. Mm-hmm. That's where he was like, coming from. What would you say was the film that really fucking that solidified Cary Grant? Grant? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know what the definitive Cary Grant movie is. Um, the Cary Grant persona that I think of is the Cary Grant from Bringing Up Baby with Katherine Hepburn mm-hmm. or The Awful Truth with Irene Dunn, which is this sort of romantic comedy you know, dashing northeastern gentleman, sort of, you know, like good looking. He looks great in a suit. My nonsense. I was, I was thinking about bringing up baby. Was yeah, like, that's where. No, that I feel like, like oh, that's look his. Look at Cary Grant. Yeah, He's... that's his. That's his definitive. I think his his greatest comedic role is yeah. bringing up baby. Um, you know, but that's but but Cary Grant was a persona that Archibald Leach came up with in order to be a successful movie actor. And James Bond, as a movie character, like, they offered it to Cary Grant. He was a little bit too old to play the character, which is one of the reasons why, reportedly, he turned it down. Another reason he turned it down was he was like, do I really want to keep playing this guy? Yeah. Forever? But, so, Christmas Day, Turner Classic Movies did a Hitchcock marathon. North by Northwest was in there. So I was watching it with my like my best friend in the world. We were watching it. We were like, okay, North Park, Northwest, classic movie. Um, has a Hitchcock movie. It's the most lighthearted Hitchcock movie ever. It's actually really funny in places. And I, we were we were watching it. We were like, we don't remember this movie being as funny. We don't think of a Hitchcock movie as like a barrel of laughs. Mm-hmm. So we were like, this is this movie supposed to be as funny as we're finding it? So I, you know, like I go on Wikipedia, I go on IMDb, I'm like, what can I find out about like the genesis of this movie? And what I've found is like there are, there is a school of film critics who refer to North by Northwest. It came out about 6 or 7 years before the very first Bond movie. 
it's like the proto Bond movie. It's like That's this. Amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's like it's like Cary Grant is like an advertising executive. The first three Bond movies, Doctor No, uh, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger, yeah. are heavily influenced by North by Northwest. Absolutely, it's like this idea of like here's a guy he gets sucked into a plot. There's like governmental, which is influence. about every Bond movie. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. He gets sucked in. There's a like governmental influence. The CIA might be involved. He has to like. There's a mistaken identity. He has to like solve a situation. But it's also like North by North- Northwest. A lot of that movie is like, I'm Cary Grant. And I look great in a suit, and I can you know be dashing, and I have witty wisecracks. And but this is an action movie, and I'm gonna romance Eva Marie Saint. And you know, it's like it's it's you can see the genesis of the concept of totally. James Bond as a movie character in that movie. Absolutely. And I was like, when I saw when I read that as I was trying to learn more about North by Northwest, I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense that this is like the model for a James Bond movie. But the thing about when they cast Sean Connery as James Bond, and I'm going somewhere with this in as a through line of I Sean Connery hope. through, yeah, <laughs> or I'm just wasting. I'm going to be like, Sean Connery's hot. No, um, Sean Connery as James Bond, like they were obviously they had the idea of James Bond as a Cary Grant esque figure, like a good looking, tall, dark, and handsome. He looks good in a suit. He can uh, wisecrack with everybody, mm-hmm. but. The thing that makes Bond interesting is he has that, but he also has an edge. He's also a brute. Hmm. And Sean Connery is a good-looking brute. And you can he, he's he's you know, he's he's good-looking, he's handsome, he looks good in a suit, he's dashing, but he could punch your face in. And that's what makes James Bond as a character compelling is like he's he's sexy, he's dashing, he's sort of a sophisticate but he can he can brutalize you if he yeah. wants to. And then as the Bond films have evolved over the years, Sean Connery didn't want to keep doing the role. They got George Lazenby. He only did one movie. Um, it's one of the best ones, too. It is. It really is. And, that, and that's another thing about the George Lazenby film is the idea of James Bond films are very self-referential, but we can get into... Casino yeah. Royale is like... Do you know the idea of the... Not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but you know the uh, how he got the Bond He was role? like a model, right? Dude, like he yeah. completely fucking conned his way into right. the Yeah, it's like he was Bond. never... He was never like an actor, really. He was just like a good-looking like, He was just like a good-looking model, guy, right? and he just like fucked around and got himself in there and was he like, was I'm like, the new Bond. He's as if a guy that pretty much uses clout yeah. to build a persona around himself right. in like kind of like a con right. artist kind of way. Right. Got it. Yes. So yeah, so it's it's like, but the evolution of James Bond casting, you've got Sean Connery who's dashing, good looking, he's a brute. George Lazenby, who kind of conned himself into the role, as you say. Who just kind of looks like a young... Yeah, yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. They even have that... I feel like they were trying to twist it where it was like a... Uh, James Bond is like a a name that they uh, uh, oh, assign like, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Bond is like, like oh, if you're 007, you are James Bond. The yeah, other yeah. guy Yeah, never this never happened to the other guy. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Like that kind of thing. And right. they, they got rid of that. right. But and that's but that's a but but that's a thing that they started doing again with the 
with the Daniel Craig movies, but I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So like, you, so you got we got to start talking about this movie. We got to start talking about this movie. So you got, but to, to build that, you got George Lazenby. He only did one movie. Sean Connery came back for a movie. Then they got Roger Moore. Roger Moore is the longest. He is the uh, he held the James Bond role for the longest time. He's tied with Sean. With Sean, oh seven 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 seven. Okay, Roger Moore. Well, because yeah. I guess if you count never say never again, does that boost it up? Now that I, I think, think about it, it. I mean, I think it does. I think, I think it, it actually does. does. Yeah. Wait, wait, uh, this is something for. Yeah, time. yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, so, so you've got you've got uh, Connery, Lazenby, Roger Moore. Yeah. Roger Moore is the actor who turned James Bond from charming brute to. I'm a fancy guy and I have fancy wisecracks and I'm going to, you know, like the Roger Moore era of Bond films is the era of Bond films I like the least, even though I have a lot of affection for Roger Moore. I like a lot of the Roger Moore Bond movies, but they are the the ones that I feel they're the, the least compelled to revisit. They're, they're silly. Silliest, yeah. They're really silly. Uh uh, Sean, like, Sean yeah. Connery Bond had this uh, brutish nonsense yeah. to him where when he made like a nice joke or a one-liner, yeah. it stood out. Yeah, exactly. Because Whereas, you were like, yeah. wow, look at this complete dick. Right. And he's making a nice joke that everybody gets. Right. Roger Moore's Bond kind of Yeah, Roger Moore was like very – Roger Moore just always read as very upper class, very, you know, like – I never believed that Roger Moore could physically overpower somebody. Roger Moore was like all about uh, being debonair and being witty and being. You You're know. right. He he was more of a psychological bond. Yeah. In a, in yeah. the sense of like how he was dealing with stuff. I mean, he right. had he had his fair share of uh, like actual physical fights. Right. But like when you think about Sean Connery Bond, you think about like that 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 train fight in, yeah. Yeah, from yeah, Russia yeah. with Love. Exactly. With Robert Shaw. And, exactly. Yeah. And you think about him like actually just like fuck it. Like Yeah. Yeah, and I could with Roger never, Moore. Yeah, yeah Roger it, Moore he's he's not Roger Moore is a lover, not a fighter. Yes. <laughs> so that was I mean, I feel like that's where the character turned and then That's he was, the build was, up though, yeah. I think the of one of the best portrayals of Bond that we've ever had, which yeah. is Pierce Brosnan. Well, right, and that's the thing. So, like Timothy Dalton, the Timothy Dalton era of Bond. I'm the okay. Least, so you're just uh, I'm, the, I'm going through chronologically. I'm I'm going somewhere. So Timothy Dalton, I'm I'm the least familiar with the Timothy Dalton era because I just I don't I he was there. He was mm-hmm. Bond. I don't necessarily think of the Timothy Dalton films as like oh when you're watching Bond movies you gotta watch the Living Daylight. Living Daylights is one of the best Bond movies ever. Really? I it's so now I need line. to now I need to revisit it. But it's he's, In my opinion, he's, in my opinion. Yeah. But I almost always forget that he was a Bond. Uh-huh. And then you've got Brosnan. Brosnan is almost like Brosnan is the closest to Cary Grant that you will get for a Bond in Fuck, terms dude. of physical. I'd say know, Brosnan. He is the Cary Grant equivalent. He is the, of yeah, what he, you is, want. he is yeah. the modern Cary Grant. And I've read interviews with Brosnan when he talks about his time as Bond. He wanted his era of Bond to be the Bond that unpacked the psychological 
what it means to be a yeah, killer, yeah. what it you're, means you're to actually... be a, you know. And but but it's funny because Goldeneye, I agree with you. Goldeneye is a great movie, and Goldeneye kind of sets the stage for I think what the producers and also what Brosnan thought his era of Bond would be. I'll correct you. Goldeneye is the best James Bond movie. That's my thoughts mm, on it. Okay. All right. I think Goldfinger is the best James Bond movie. But... Fuck that old, <laughs> that old, old, that old the, movie back in the, the 60s. The Connery, whatever. No, no, I really think that Goldeneye is the best Bond movie because it takes everything that is so fucking cool. Not that's good. Okay, I see what you're it saying. It takes yeah, 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 all yeah, yeah, the yeah, cool yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, and the you're thing like, is, like, oh, he's Bond ki- is like he's kind of misogynistic, which Bond, is cool. But no, but you're right because the whole idea of Bond as a character is that he's cool. He's cool, even though he's terrible in many ways, and he's a killer, and he's got issues with women or whatever. But he's cool. I right. totally get. I totally get where you're right. going. with Casino that. Royale. Yeah. Uh, which is the movie that we're talking about. In theory, about. we're talking about. In no, theory. No, but, like, but, that, but that's theory. the thing is, like, so so to, to get where I'm going with that, like, Brosnan thought he was doing Dark Bond when he signed on to do the role. That's what I read. And then, in Goldeneye? In Gold, he th- Goldeneye that's, was, like, the beginning. That's very much what they were doing. Right, yeah. and he thought that that's where they were going with the character. And then, well, like... That's, that's the exact same thing with Casino Royale. They thought they were... Taking right. it somewhere else, but they end up going. Well, Martin right. Campbell's like, "Yeah, dark, right?" And then somebody else takes it over, and they're like, "Tomorrow never dies." And you're like, "Well, no, oh, no, exactly." Right. Tomorrow never dies, or like, or, or like, uh, die Quantum another day, right? Die, like, right. right. So, so die another day. Maybe it was die another day. I don't know. It was one of those. Th- what is it? Whichever the movie where he had an invisible car. When did he have an invisible tomorrow car? Never that dies. was tomorrow. Okay, that was stupid. Die another day. Die another day was bad. That's the invisible car that you're. That, that you're was the invisible about. car. Okay, but there was also like a exploding pen. I'm going somewhere with the exploding pen. Q gives. That's Goldeneye. Yeah. So the Brosnan era, they brought in John Cleese to be. That's die another Q. day. Yeah. Yeah. And I love John Cleese. I'm a Monty Python fan. I could do a whole seven series podcast about Monty Python. It feels bad seeing somebody that you like. Yeah. Uh, completely slut themselves Exactly. Out. And then it's also like when you put John... He does okay, though. He does okay, but it's also right, like... like it's, it's been like enough years where yeah. you can look back you on it and be like, like, dude, Oh, it's John on. Cleese. Yeah. It's nice to see him in a movie. But it's also like when you put John Cleese in a role like that, you're asking people to be like, here's John Cleese. You know him from Faulty Towers. You know him from A Fish Called Wanda. You know yeah, him the, from the, Monty the Python. And he's that, silly. The people that He's a silly like, man. The people that like James Bond are not the same people that no, like... No, I mean, and that's very true. And I, I agree with in you. America, very tr- yes, in America. Yes, that's very right. true. That's very true. But <laughs> I'm a I'm a Faulty Towers fan. I'm a Monty Python fan. I'm a John Cleese fan. So okay. John Cleese turns up in a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie and I'm like, oh, come the fuck on. It's one really? of the worst fucking things in the world. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, Q's not supposed to be silly. Q's the guy who gives him the stuff that lets him do the thing <laughs> you know um right, so so, hey, so we're getting there so dude, so yeah are we are we too far off the rail we have not talked about casino okay, royale so I'm, but i'm all. getting so casino royale no no, no. all right so <laughs> you were at timothy dalton okay and now you're talking about Pier, pierce brosnan right pierce brosnan thought he was doing dark bond is what i'm getting okay at. that didn't happen okay 
Then you got Daniel Craig, and everyone was like, oh, Bond can't be blonde, whatever. Casino Royale is dark Bond. Uh-huh. Casino Royale is like, he's not certain of himself. He's not famous for being James Bond. He's not famous for being a 007. He's learning how to be an agent. Daniel Craig's Bond harkens back to the Connery Bond in that he's good looking, but he's a brute. Um, there's that sequence in the beginning of Casino Royale, which is basically like parkour. And he's like chasing the villain and the villain is like doing all which this. Which the villain he's chasing is the guy that actually invented parkour right. as a sport. Right, exactly. So that guy's doing all sorts of. Him like going through that like tiny rectangle. Yeah. And then. And then Bond just like bursts. That's through. exactly what I was gonna say. It's like that I, that idea of like that movie, that scene is what uh, destroys the conception of James Bond as like I'm an elegant man of power. Like he's chasing after a guy who's doing great parkour moves. It's relegating he, him down to the little exactly. Brute. He's a brute. He just yeah. busts through the wall. It's funny, but it's also just kind of like, that's how he rolls. He just busts through a wall. Absolutely. And And, I will say that everything that happens in the first, like, Casino Royale is broken down into three acts. Yeah. And each of those three acts are separate movies. Both in tone and what you're actually doing. So the first act is him uh, becoming a double O, going on his first mission, chasing this bomb chaser. Right. And being able to bring him down and figuring out that, oh, this goes somewhere else. Yeah. The second act is him... uh, Going to, I guess it's, (laughs) I drank way too many Vespers for this. (laughs) All right. The second act is him going to uh, the place that he goes to in the movie Mm -hmm. and trying to find out where did this text come from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... He finds out that it comes from this dude, and he plays poker with this dude. Yeah, he, he steals Mon- his he car, which is Carlo, Aston Martin, yeah, 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 which yeah. is like the classic uh, right Bond right. car, like as if he wins the yeah. Aston Martin from him, right, right. And and then the third, the third act is the romance, right? I no, feel no, like, no, no, the, no, no. The third act doesn't start like this. Is all. Uh, I guess really you can consider the first act. Uh, we see him born as a double O mm-hmm. with the the black and white, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then that goes all the way throughout his first mission. Sure, which is uh, including him running around and chasing this parkour dude, mm-hmm. plus. Uh, the entire airport scene where right, 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 he right. goes he goes somewhere and he he figures out like oh what's going on here and uh, and he goes over and he and he stops he stops the plague mm-hmm. the plot not the plague <laughs> the plague jeez well, Louise yeah. I've had a, I've had a lot I'm gonna, I'm, I mean I have vest- too but I'm gonna catch up to you anyway cheers to you yeah too. there we go.
I'm gonna cut Goodness. you off because I see where you're no, going. No, don't with this. cut me off. No. Okay, go ahead. No, cut me off, please. I was gonna ask because we talked earlier about how um, you're familiar with the book canon of Bond. Hmm. One of the things that I think is interesting about Casino Royale, and then it also informs the movies that have followed Casino Royale, is the idea that, you know, Bond is a an agent of MI6. Mm-hmm. Um, in Skyfall, Skyfall may be controversial. I think Skyfall is the best Bond movie ever, but that's a whole... That's Skyfall a thing. is a very good Bond movie. Yeah. It is so there's nowhere near the best Skyfall. No, movie. no, I know, I know, but I I Let's I fucking love... relax right now, all right? But there's a there's a scene in Skyfall, and I'm maybe I'm saying this because I really love Home Alone. And I just wrote a th- I just wrote a thing about okay. Home Alone for Story right. Screen and the part of Skyfall where they where it's Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, it's Home Alone. It's entirely Home Alone. They lifted everything from Home Alone. M and Bond like make the house the Home Alone house. And they're like, Yes! <laughs> you know, it's 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 stupid. And I think also it's stupid, like, it's stupid right. but You're it's right. also like hilarious. I in uh, tangentially, the part of one of the my favorite parts of Skyfall is how Silva and his gang like are destroying his childhood home and Bond doesn't have happy memories of his childhood home so he's like whatever fucking blow up my house I don't care and then Silva turns the helicopter guns to the car the Aston Martin and blows up the car and that's when Bond gets angry he's like blow up my childhood house I don't care he's a materialistic don't you fucking touch my car yeah so anyway that's a tangent but there's a scene when M and Bond have gone to Scotland to Bond's childhood home and they're going to booby trap it like Home Alone. And, um, you know, they're talking about how M knows Bond's childhood, that he was an orphan. And she says orphans make the best recruits for, you know, Secret Service agents, basically, or intelligence agents. Um, and uh, so basically... <laughs> That's that's like the that's the the premise of the whole like like last third of Skyfall is like you know we'll blow up your house because we don't you don't care about your house because you've had a traumatic childhood, um, so that's and I had a point and I don't know where I was going with oh, it now because dude. there's too many vespers, um no no no, no but um oh this is terrible. Come on, man. You I know, it? no, I had a point. I totally had you a got point. It. Get I it. totally had a point. What's the point? The point is, um, I was going back to the idea of Bond canon, book canon versus movie canon. What is interesting to me about Casino Royale is the idea if you go from um, Skyfall, orphans make the best recruits, he hates his childhood. He didn't, His he lost his family at an early age. He didn't have anybody he felt he could connect to. But he connected to Vesper Lind in Casino Royale to the point where he was going to give up his life. He was like, I'm resigning from my job. I'm going to run away with you. This is my life now. I love you. And then she's she loves him, too. I think that's what we're supposed to learn at the end of Casino Royale. But she's also kind of a double agent. And she kind of sacrifices him, herself to keep him safe. 
And I think that that is what deepens his his character arc is like he's not just like, oh, this is a, you know, like a brute who works for the intelligence service in England. He's 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 a person who didn't have anybody he felt he could connect to. And then he connected to her. And then that ended up being pulled out from under him. Right. Like even within the moment. He yeah. It's like, wow, this is. Yeah. This is a person that. Yeah. Yeah, this is somebody who he was willing to give up his whole She's almost life like a semblance for. of, like, that's what a normal person looks like. Yeah. Because you and, see, like, yeah. throughout Casino Royale, he's he's looking at her as uh, almost a, almost as like a, like, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. In woman form. Yeah. And he might not even be looking at it like that. Like, yeah. this is like, that's me. And yeah. And she's able to work shit out. Right. Right. And he's and she she understands him. They have that thing where they're like on the train on their way to Monte Carlo. And she's like, this is what I know about you based on what I've been told about you. You know, you went to these schools growing up. This is this is where you come from. And he's like, oh, you know, like, yeah, that's me. But is that all? And so like they they connect on that level. And I think that we're supposed to believe that that's she's the first not just the first woman. But the first person who's understood where he comes from. And that's really heavy for him. That's really important for him. And that's why, you know, and then the events of Casino Royale happen. He does the, the poker game and there's, you know, mm. there's all sorts of, you know, adventure and antics and, and, and drama along that way. But he, and he gets very injured and very, you know, like he ends up having to be, treated at a medical facility and she comes and visits him and he's like you know i'll give up my life for you like the, the bank password is your name mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like he's well it's you like know. talking about uh james bond getting injured uh in casino royale that scene where he's after he uh fights all those like little assholes yeah uh on the staircase and we get a scene of We've seen James Bond, like, fight the fucking fuck out of right. every little fuck that you could fuck. Right. <laughs> we get this scene in Casino Royale where he is in front of a mirror in a bathroom and cleaning himself right. up. Right, 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 And right. that's one of the best fucking scenes in the right. movie is where... He's it, in his tuxedo and he's cleaning blood off of himself. It humanizes him. Yeah. Where you go... This is a guy, like, James Bond is a guy that I go to a movie and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to throw all of my emotions and, like, any any idea of a, an ideology that I have. I'm going right. to throw them on this guy. And he's going to act as a super spy. Yeah. Throughout the world and yeah. do all this stuff. And I'm going to yeah. com- connect with him in that way. Casino Royale is the first one that presents James Bond as this guy that is getting really fucking hurt yeah. by all this stuff that you're enjoying right. watching. And that's and I would argue that that is a theme in the Daniel Craig iteration of the Bond character. And that's something that we are definitely going to get into yeah. on the second half. 
of this podcast. For sure. For sure. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And we will be back in just a second. Hey guys, Mike Birch here, popping in real quick to let you know about a really awesome movement that's going on right now that you might not have heard of uh, if you're living under a rock or don't like the Golden Globes. Uh, It's called the Time's Up Movement, and uh, what it's doing is uh, creating a unified call for change from uh, women in the entertainment industry uh, for women everywhere. Uh, It's powered by women, and it addresses the systematic inequality and injustices in the workplace all over the place. Uh, that have kept underrepresented groups from reaching their full potential. Uh, so we here at StoryScreen are partnering with Times Up uh, and its leading advocates uh, to also advocate for equality and safety uh, in the workplace and in personal lives. So if you want to learn more about Times Up, you can go to www.timesupnow.com. Uh, you can donate straight through there. You can buy merchandise from them. And as well, if you go to storyscreenbeacon.com, we have a store where we sell our own Storyscreen t-shirts uh, made by local beacon legend Goners Justin Catania. Uh, and 100% of any sales that we make at our store over the course of the next two months, StoryScreen will be donating directly to the Times Up initiative. Uh, if you would like to contact us about donating more than what you could just buy in the store, please feel free to hit us up at storyscreenbeacon at gmail.com and we can go from there. Uh, otherwise, definitely go to www.timesupnow.com to check out more on this uh, really important movement and uh, become a part of the cure and help the mission. And okay, so now let's get back to talking about more James Bond. Na-na-na-na. to over drinkers <laughs> and uh <laughs> right now we are attempting to talk about attempt <laughs> casino royale and i think the best spot to start talking about casino royale in the overall context of how it works with james bond is this completely Demasculizes, if that's an actual term. Yeah. Every tiny little thing that you could find in a James Bond movie. It takes right. the James Bond character and tries to make him a little bit more emotional. Tries to figure out exactly where he's coming from in all of the little things that he's doing. But even more importantly, Le Chief, the <laughs> bad guy, right? the bad man, is presented as this guy that is in, he lost a bunch of money. Right. And now he's trying to make that money back. Right. But even in the the big ball buster scene of Casino Royale, he is presented as this kind of guy that is desperate. Right. And throughout the movie, he's presented as this guy that is 
completely aware of what he is and what he's doing and all this stuff. He is the typical James Bond bad guy. Mm -hmm. But as we progress on and he loses and he continues to lose, he's really just this dude that he's just a dude that's losing constantly over and over again. And his ending is he gets just like taken out. Yeah. Shot in the head. Right. uh, For nothing that had art. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Casino Royale is an amazing movie because it gives us a character of James Bond that is never actually in control of the victories that he has in this movie. That's a good way of putting it. He is constantly reckless and throwing himself out there and going crazy. And this is highly intentional. Mm -hmm. All of the victories that he has throughout the movie are always because he has somebody behind him. Right. Whether he's aware of it or not going, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Exactly. And it all builds up to that point uh, with him getting his balls busted. Yeah. Right. Literally and literally, figuratively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By Lashif. And the only way that, the only reason that he gets out of that is because somebody else comes in because it's Mr. White from Quantum. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that he earlier that he's able to keep playing is because uh, Felix Leiter exactly yep comes, comes on and, and he says like, I'll give you my money brother from yeah. Langley right, right I'll right, let right, you right. keep going and it's the movie is considered the best Bond movie because it it takes all of the things that make Bond movies great and portrays them and flips them and flips them again Mm -hmm. and flips them again. Right. Time and time. Right. To create a character study of somebody that is like James Bond. Right. Someone, what does it take to be this person that is constantly doing all of these things? Like Casino Royale has this amazing scene with him cleaning himself up after a big fight exactly. before going back. Right. And that that scene of him And he's he's in his tuxedo and he's you know, he looks dashing and attractive and intimidating, but he's like cleaning blood off of his person. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's a it's a it's 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 heavy because it's like, okay, this is this is what he has to do in order to succeed at this poker game. Is it poker? What is the actual... It's Hold'em. It's Hold'em. Yeah, okay. it's poker. Right, right. yeah. And it's all about, you know, this is, this is who he is. This is who he has to portray himself as being. But it's also like, it's an act. It's like, I'm going to put on a tuxedo and I'm going to look fancy. But I've also just gotten... Well, it's like she gives him the the big uh, tuxedo that is known to be 
right uh what we think about when we think about what james bond wears exactly yeah and that entire last scene of the uh, of him getting pulled in to be tortured they take away everything they right. take away the love interest that right. he has garnered they rip away all of his uh they they rip his suit off and, yeah. and make him bare they pretty much take away everything in this movie that we have come to see like, oh, this is how James Bond became what James Bond is. Right. And in this last move, they rip everything away from him. Right. And he's left there sitting on a seat and... And so this is like a really good point to – this is a really good time to point out the differences between Casino Royale, the book, and Casino Royale, the movie. Mm, okay. The book, uh, Le Chief is kind of like this overweight kind of douchebag. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah, like okay. just kind of like everything that they have Le Chief do in the movie mm. – it's very much what it is in the in the book, except for the fact that he's kind of overweight. And he's kind of just gross and not he's just intimidating. Like, yeah, he's kind of yeah, just yeah, like yeah, a yeah, like yeah. a dipshit. Yeah. And in the movie, everything that happens after Everything that happens in the movie after the uh, big Casino Royale scene, mm-hmm. like uh, him being double-crossed by sure. yeah. uh, the lady and everything like that, like that's pretty much directly from the book. Mm-hmm. And Casino Royale, the movie is attempting to reframe the idea of how we interpret what James Bond is. Mm. And that's and that makes sense because the whole conceit of Casino Royale, the 2006 movie starring Daniel Craig, mm. is about us uh, reckoning with the idea of who we think of James Bond is as a character and what he is doing as James Bond, the MI6 agent. So, yeah, no, I, I totally see where you're, where you're going with that. It's, it's like, uh, they're rebooting the franchise Mm. by emplacing all of these little tiny things. Right. All throughout the little tiny things that we understand Bond to be. Right. Right. And Well, and it's even it's even as much as like, you know, in Casino Royale, James has a sexual encounter with a woman who then dies. And this is a a trope in James Bond movies. I think Bond that's movies. a big deal. Yeah. It's a, but it's also it's a trope in James Bond movies where like there will be Bond, and there will be the story, and there will be the Bond girl who dies, mm-hmm. and there will be the Bond girl who doesn't die. 
And this is a thing that they, you know, like, you look at Goldfinger, there's the girl, the girl in Goldfinger who dies because she's been, like, encased in gold. Mm-hmm. And then there's the rest of the story. And it's the same thing in Casino Royale. There's the, the rich woman who's the wife of, like, his antagonist who he has sex with, and then she dies. And then there's the rest of the story, which is about him, you know, doing the poker game and becoming, you know, like, intimately connected to Vesper Lind. And that's, the, the like, this, the thing about the Casino Royale as a film is that, like, yes, this is supposed to be a Bond film, and this is, like, the story of James Bond becoming James Bond mm-hmm. and the story of James Bond uh, coming into his own as an agent. But it's also like, this is the story of how James Bond almost threw it all away because he fell in love with this woman who he had to work with on this one mission. And, you know, she, she, he felt he understood her on a very intimate level beyond what he felt he was understood as an MI6 agent. Mm-hmm. That's why he was willing to, I'm going to resign. I'm going to send my resignation. I'm going to give up my life. This is, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to run away with you. And then, you know, and then that ends up not working the way he thought it was going to. And then that sets up Quantum of Solace. And in a sense, it also sets up Skyfall and Spectre. Well, it's you know. really interesting the way, like, Casino Royale is just, like, a perfect Bond movie. Right. And then you have something like uh, Quantum Solace. Quantum of Solace is a, is, is a terrible Bond movie. I'm going to put that out. Bad it's a movie. terrible it's a movie. Bad it's a bad movie. movie. But it's, and it's almost like, this is what happens when you try to do a sequel mm-hmm. to a Bond movie. And it's like, this isn't interesting. The characters aren't interesting. I don't know if I really care about any of these people. I care about them in as much as Bond cares about them. And he's trying to do a thing. And he's trying to avenge something. Or he's trying to make sense of his emotional uh, investment in Vesper Lind that ended up fucking him over. In the first movie, mm-hmm. but it's 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 not and and that's so the thing about the Daniel Craig arc of Bond movies is Casino Royale was brilliant, the follow up was terrible. Skyfall. I, mean, I don't I don't really think there's that much bet wrong. Well, with no, Quantum of Solace, but I, it's not. But it's all. It's I think not it's a just movie a, that I would like. Like, like I think Casino it's Royale. less than. It's less than I would what Casino gladly Royale watch was doing. Casino Royale over and over again as its own movie. It's a great movie. Quantum of Solace doesn't stand on its own. No, not at all. Not even in the slightest. And so it's like you have to know what Casino Royale was to even be interested in Quantum of Solace. And then also, Quantum of Solace isn't that great of a movie. No, it's not. And then. I think Skyfall is objectively a great movie. And then Spectre, which was supposed to be the follow-up to Skyfall. What do you think about Spectre? I was so disappointed by Spectre. 
I think Spectre ruins a lot of what was created in the Daniel Craig arc of James Right, like Bond that's movies. the one that kind of like breaks everything apart. Yeah. Like I, I thought that Skyfall kind of took away from what make Casino Royale so yeah, special. I totally, I, I see where, I, and, I understand what you're saying with that. But yeah. Skyfall is such a well-made movie you're like, Skyfall oh, wow, is another that's, movie that's okay. like, a, I feel like Skyfall is another standalone movie. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't know James Bond and you don't know the deal, but you're like, hey, I want to watch a great action movie, Skyfall is a great action movie. Spectre. And I think that Spectre, one of the problems with Spectre is that when you follow a movie like that, and I think this was Quantum of Solace's problem as well, you have a high point with mm-hmm. Casino Royale, and then you have to follow that up. Yeah. You have a High point with Skyfall, and you have to follow it up. It's a fool's errand, no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's never going, you're never going to you're get never to that to point. It. Right. And so, like, Casino Royale set a standard. Like, we have cast this guy as James Bond, and we are asking you to accept that this is James Bond. This is who James Bond was when he was starting. This is who James Bond was before he was James Bond, quote unquote. You go on his journey. And Casino Royale takes you through an arc of, like, he's learning how to be an agent. He's got some missions. He's got some assignments. And he's going along with it. Along the way, he meets a woman who is incredibly compelling. And Almost chain- his yeah. equal. Exactly. She's smart. Um, she's tough. And she can hold her own. And these are things that are attractive to him. And to the point where he's like, fuck my career. Fuck my life. She's amazing. She is worth giving up everything that I have trained myself to do. And this is, again, in Skyfall, M says, orphans make their best recruits. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have anything else in his life. James Bond has a person. His life is MI6. And then he meets Vesper Lind. And he's like, oh, maybe there's something else to my life. It's super sad. Yeah. Maybe there's something else to my life beyond being an intelligence agent. Maybe there's something else to my life beyond being a brute and a killer. And, you know, somebody who is motivated by, um, you know, patriotism and you know, like duty. And, you know, she, she, she gives him a window into what that life would look like. And then it gets snatched away from him. Hmm. That's what's heartbreaking about Casino Royale is like, you can see, this is the moment where he had a choice to be, am I James Bond or am I a human being who loves a woman? And this is what my life is going to be. And she, because of the circumstances of her life and who she is affiliated with, she can't be everything that he wanted her to be. So she does her best. That's the thing. She does her best. But that relationship was doomed. And he, but he was willing to give up his life for her. And then when that ends up blowing up in his face, what is the choice he makes? Make what is the choice he makes? And he the choice he makes is I'm gonna be I'm gonna be James Bond. 
I think that's what I think that's what we're supposed to get from Casino Royale is he had a moment where he was like, well, I'm good at this stuff. and I'm good at being an agent. I've done my two kills. I get to be a double O and then I'm going to do this thing. But I've met this really compelling woman who makes me reconsider what I want to do with my life. And he was going to give it all up for her. And then it turns out she wasn't who he thought she was. And then, like, like, what do you do with your life after that? When you're willing to give up your life for someone and she wasn't who you thought she was. That explains the person we meet in Skyfall. Who is like, I'm all about duty. I'm all about, I'm, I'm the MI6 agent. I'm going to do my thing. Money pay. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, I'm, you know, this is who I am. And then he gets maybe killed in action. He mm-hmm. gets to get away with being missing in action. And if he wanted to, he could just vanish for the rest of his life. He could just be like a cool guy hanging out in Turkey, you know, fucking attractive women. <laughs> but, you know, like he, but he's, and that's the thing about James Bond too, is like he is compelled by this sense of duty. And that's, that's what I, find fascinating about Skyfall is he had an opportunity. He was willing to give it all away in Casino Royale for Vesper. And then that got fucked up. And then in Skyfall, because Moneypenny might have killed him, he had an opportunity to be like, all right, I'm going to like, fuck all that. I'm just going to enjoy my life for the rest of my life. And then he sees like, wolf blitzer on cnn in the bar (laughs) which is hilarious i'm just saying like you know and he's like no i'm needed i'm needed so he goes back home and he like breaks into em's house and em's like oh my god what the fuck you're in my house like what the fuck but he's like i'm here because i think you need me he's motivated by a sense of duty duty that he was willing to give up in Casino Royale because of Vesper. But then he realized that that was, you know, like maybe that wasn't worth giving up or maybe, you know, it's it's more complicated than like, oh, I'm going to give up my life for a beautiful woman who Mm -hmm. gets me. She didn't get him or she did get him, but it was more complicated than that. So he, in Skyfall, he comes back to him and says, I'm here. You need me. I'm here. And so I, I guess what I'm getting at is the arc of the Daniel Craig Bond movies is about duty. What do I believe in? Do I believe in MI6? Do I believe in M as a leader? Do I believe in what we're trying to do as an organization? And that's what I love about Skyfall is that he comes back of his own accord He's not ready to be an agent again, but M loves him. So M passes him through all of the physical, you know, the, the tests that he has to go through to be, you know, enlisted back as an agent. She, you know, he's not ready. He's not physically fit, but she lets him through um, because, you know, M and Bond have a relationship. But it's about duty. It's about honor. It's about country. It's about patriotism. And it's not even about, like, do I love this woman? It's not about, it's not about is M my mother, you know, which I think is, is a big theme in Skyfall. It's, you know, like, is is M the mother figure that I didn't get to have? 
I, you know. I, I think that Skyfall's big thing is that it, it's about James realizing that M is his mother. Right. Right. And not they, in the right. literal sense, but in the figure. In the sense, figure, like, like you know, like he didn't have a family. His family died before he was able to really like be a person of his own accord. Right. And so so and, and so this is like we're gonna get into like why Spectre disappointed me. Spectre, I thought, was like, okay, you, you have The film Spectre. Yeah, the film Spectre. You have Skyfall as like, this is what you've done. Now you have to do a follow-up to Skyfall. I think this is why Quantum Solace is not as good as Casino Royale, by the way. Because Casino Royale is a great film in and of itself. Casino Royale is an amazing film. Right. And then Quantum Solace, it's like, okay, this is the sequel to Casino Royale. And it's yeah, like, you well, could never be as good as... Right, exactly. And it's like, do we really need a sequel to Casino and Royale? And they really do try. They do yeah. try. They try to make it... Right. Seem as like oh this is like the connection like right and I'll 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 find myself watching Casino Royale, just the film and go right. oh yeah like oh, the boyfriend is actually yeah and then you're like oh there's just this is just this inform my understanding of but the story. none of that stuff right. actually has to occur to make Casino Royale a right. good movie and I feel the same way about Skyfall because Spectre. Spectre posits the idea that the villain in Skyfall, Silva, Javier Bardem, one of the most brilliant Bond villains, I think, in the history of Bond villains. Top five bil- yeah. villains, yeah. Um, what was interesting to me about Skyfall is the idea that the villain in Skyfall doesn't give a shit about James Bond. Nope. Doesn't care at all. He's using James as a pawn to get to M. Absolutely. Fascinating. Spectre asks us to say, you know, oh, no, actually, he really was in it for, for Bond. That Spectre makes it the less, movie? Yeah, Spectre the movie. Ugh. Spectre the movie, right. that beautiful opening sequence of the, the Day of the Dead. Very good opening. Beautiful, beautiful. And I thought what they were going for with that was the idea of you kill people, but they're ghosts. You can't just isolate the idea that you've killed a bunch of people and you've done that and that's a thing you've done. It's like these are people who have made an impact on your life in some way. And I think they were, I think Inspector, they were trying to do that because at the end of the film when Christoph Waltz, a.k.a. Blofield is trying to get to Bond, he's like, here are all the people who have died in the course of you being Bond and they show M. And it's like they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to elicit this emotional reaction in Bond, Daniel Craig as Bond, of like you know you're responsible for these people's deaths. But it's like it's 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 not it doesn't have this it doesn't have an impact it no, doesn't have an no, emotional it impact. It, it's really interesting that you bring that up that that's might be what they were going for. I think that's I really do the think best that that's part what about Spectre is that opening. Yes, exactly. And the then day it's of all, the dead, but it all, it all kind just of, kinda like all kind nothing of goes anywhere. And it was like I remember watching Spectre in the movie and I had such high expectations of Spectre after Skyfall. Skyfall yeah, one of those movies. Yeah. Skyfall's one of the movies. <laughs> of like, I went and saw Skyfall in the theater 
multiple times because it was like it's one of those movies where you're like you have to experience. Skyfall was a goddamn good movie right exactly for and what the, it is yeah it was, it was and very I have good. and I have opinions about Skyfall's music but that's a tangent but um you know I went into Spectre was that Adele yeah Adele yeah oh, hey and that's like hey. you know, she's amazing she's amazing that's and a also, good movie that's it's a good song it's a good song and also. It has the thing about Skyfall, the song, uh-huh. is it incorporates the Bond theme uh-huh. into the song. After the first verse, it goes into that. Well, Chris uh, Cornell's uh, Chris Cornell's yeah, song in exactly. Casino Royale did just no, that. No, ex- exactly. And that's the it thing was is written like, along it, with the composer. Exactly. So that they could exactly. Put because it, it all throughout Because the, the thing about music, and I'm, this is where I'm going to bias myself as a musician, the thing about music is music is supposed to is supposed to elucidate an emotional response in people. So Skyfall's theme song, it's a great song in and of itself, but it incorporates the Bond theme in it, and that makes people that makes people buy into it more. And it's the same thing with the Casino Royale theme. It's like you're you're capturing a mood that the original Bond theme captured and that has emotional resonance with people who are interested in bond movies or who are just like vaguely aware of pop culture in general mm-hmm. because like you don't necessarily even have to be a bond fan to be like oh this bond movie is in the theaters i should go watch this bond movie you know so that's like it's it's Im- it's important in that regard and that's why you asked me what coaster i wanted for my vesper martini Uh live and let die is a song that i have really a complicated relationship with because number one i'm a bass player paul mccartney's a bass player paul mccartney as a beatles bass player is the reason why i'm a bass player live and let die was a movie where they commissioned paul mccartney and his mediocre band wings Mm -hmm. to create the song for it's a terrible bond theme it's stupid but it's it's not no it's not it's not like oh i'm gonna leave the theater it's not good well say what you mean by when you say coaster is i right now we have to have coasters on our table uh to make sure that we're not like clinking glasses down constantly uh and so i i asked ria to Pick a book out of the Ian Fleming uh, James Bond books uh, that I have. I have all of them because I'm an asshole. And <laughs> I picked Casino Royale, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And you picked... Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. So that's the thing is Live and Let Die uh, is the Bond theme that they commissioned Paul McCartney to create and uh i'm a bass player because of paul mccartney um but i also am very certain in my belief that live and let die has a song that paul mccartney created is a stupid song it's bad um i enjoy it because when he performs it live and i've seen him live a number of times because that's that's what i choose to spend my money on um they do pyrotechnics. So live and let die 
you know, firecrackers, whatever. It's 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 entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining when it performs it live. If you hear it on like WPDH, it's very underwhelming. Um, it's one of those Bond themes where I'm like, this is a great Bond theme. Only if you see it live and you see like the flames. Um, and I, I, it's almost like I feel like that's that is almost a metaphor for Bond films in general. Like, if you really believe, you know, like if you're interested in the Bond canon and if you're a Bond film aficionado and you follow the Bond movies, you know, through Connery and Lazenby and Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan and and Daniel Craig, and you see the through line, like you can appreciate what they're trying to do with a song like Live and Let Die. Because it's all about, like, bombastic, like, this is an action movie. This is, like, there's crazy shit that happens in this movie. And this is what we're trying to convey with this music. But if you're just, like, a dabbler, if you're like, oh, I know James Bond movies are a thing, but, like, I'll watch them if it looks interesting, but I, I'm not necessarily going to seek it out. It's stupid. I mean, I think that's a, that's like, if you don't know what you're getting into with a Bond movie and you just watch a Bond movie, you're like, this is dumb. This is just like an action movie. This is just like an American Hollywood action movie. But there's a whole... The Casino Royale yeah. kind of like replaces that. Exactly. Because it asks like, you to uh, evaluate... This is a Bond movie. Exactly. And you know who Bond is. I mean, like the the whole Chris Cornell thing is... You know my name. Exactly. Exactly. You know All my name. That. Right. And that's the thing is like, and, and then in Casino Royale, like the cliche Bond moments we think of are Bond going to a bar and asking for his martini. Mm-hmm. And he asks for his martini and the bartender And in goes, Casino Royale, we get shaken or stirred. And then he goes, do I look, do I look like, like I give I a give a, a damn? damn. Exactly. And so that's the thing is like it asks it asks us to know these aspects of the Bond canon and to enjoy the subversion of those moments. Right. Like he's like gonna be like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit how you make my fucking martini, whatever. Gold, Goldeneye is the best Bond movie mm-hmm. ever made. Mm-hmm. Because it takes all of the things that have been uh, in placed in social constructs and and what you want out of a bomb movie, right? We're gonna give you exactly that, exactly. With a yeah, nice, yeah, 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 good yeah, yeah, little yeah. early nineties bow right. on top, of right? It. Exactly. No, and I totally get, I totally and, get where you're coming from when you say that. I totally get it. Casino Royale. It's the same does thing for two thousand six, with way more of an edge. With going, we are going to look at everything that James Bond has ever been. Right. And we are going to give you the best James Bond movie right. that you have ever seen. And going back to our idea of, like, let's unpack toxic masculinity, let's unpack white men with power. This is a thing, and it's a thing throughout all James Bond movies, but I've noticed it mostly in the Daniel Craig era, mm-hmm. is the idea of there are often two Bond girls in a Bond movie. There is... Well, oh, that's every... 
Well, right. There's but, usually that. Yeah, yeah, there's usually, but but it's but it feels very noticeable in, and maybe it's just because it's this is the modern era. This is the modern. Well, bond. no, I'll this say that I I, I think that to, right. While you're speaking your point, and I mm. don't mean to uh, take away from. Sure. It, yeah, yeah. I will say that I think that uh, the Daniel Craig movies are very much aware of right. the Bond esque. Uh, continuum right. that they're going through. Right. And I think that they are very much aware of you have the one girl. Right. And then the Bond girl. The Bond girl. There's the Bond girl who dies. Right. There's the Bond girl who fucks Bond and then dies. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other Bond girl. Because shame on her. Right. Exactly. And so that's... But you get the, that in... the new Daniel yeah. Craig movies really show a... A point on that. Uh, like, I'm not... Like, dude, honestly, uh, I'm very familiar with Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love myself some Skyfall mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, fuck Spectre. Yeah, no, Spectre is uh, bullshit. But the uh, <laughs> Casino Royale has... The first girl... Yeah. Is... He's trying to detach her as much as he can. Exactly. He yeah. is not no, aware sure. of for the sure. fact that yeah. this is going to kill this woman. Yeah. No, because and of what he's doing. And when he realizes it, that's like a really it's a big moment. It's a big moment. Him, he's, he's like, like oh, oh, she yeah. must have realized that there was nobody yeah. else that, and so yeah. they tortured her. Yeah. He's like, fuck. Yeah. But he still hasn't learned his lessons right. yet. Quantum Solace, we get a Goldfinger-esque right. uh, death of uh, you had sex with this little young redheaded girl and now she's fucking dead. Right. And the only reason that she's dead is because you right. talked to her. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Skyfall does not really have that besides I, mm, the uh, the glass, so, right? The girl. Well, the, 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 so that's the thing. So two things. No, 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 right. Skyfall uh, has Se- way more of an yeah. intimate version yeah. of the first So, like, girl. what's her... Severine is the girl that he... What's the actress's name? Uh, Berenice Lim Marlowe. Right. And I only know this because... Monica Bellucci is yeah. Spectre, right? Yes, Monica I Bellucci is Spectre. I keep getting yeah, confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm going to just put that... Like, I went to high school with a girl named Nadine Campo. I'm putting okay. it out there right now because she's gorgeous and she's a model and i think that she should be more famous than she is and it's she is half asian half french and i remember when because i've always been a bond fan and when the press you know like the the press machine around spy kite spice there you know there we go vesper martinis um <laughs> when, <laughs> when that came out you know, they had Berenice Lim Marlowe out there with Daniel Craig doing press for the movie. For Spectre? For, for, no, for Skyfall. Oh, for Skyfall, right. And, you know, she's half Asian, half French. And this is a, my friend Nadine Campo is half Korean, half French. And this is a girl that, like, I grew up with. And I'm like, I remember watching well, I mean, the press the, for this movie Daniel and I was Craig, like... Daniel Craig's yeah. character of James Bond himself is technically, what is it, half Swiss? Half Swiss, half yeah, Scottish. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Mo- not even British at right, all. exactly, yeah. Like, Monique Bond. Like, it's obviously not an English yeah. name. So, I remember, I remember, 
I, I was going to see Skyfall no matter what because I love Bond films, but I remember watching the press for it and I was like, that girl looks like a girl I went to high school with. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, Bernice Lim Marlowe looks like my friend Nadine Campo. I'm just going to keep saying her name because she's going to be famous someday. Um, but it's like, you know, but the idea of like, the Bond girl, mm-hmm. I think, has evolved over the years as well. There was an idea of, like, oh, if you're the Bond girl, like, you know, it's a high-profile movie to be involved in if you're in a Bond movie and you're hot and you get to be with Sean Connery or Roger Moore. And that's a big deal. And I don't know if it's necessarily a big deal for an actress to be like, oh, I'm going to be in a movie with Daniel Craig. But it's a big deal to be like, I am a Bond girl in a Bond movie. But it also, like, to be a Bond girl means, like, I'm, and this is where Skyfall is fascinating to me because, like, there is Ernie Slim Marlowe as the Bond girl, quote unquote, who encounters Bond at the casino. And then dies because at the hands of Silva, the villain. I think that's one of the most egregious. He's horrible. On purpose. Like, Silva it's is on horrible. Purpose that Silva she is, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, she is used as a Bond girl. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Bond She's... himself has considered her a actual person throughout right. the whole movie and then and silva then thinks of, sudden, of her as a as right. a thing as a because like silva a, himself a, is right. a context of how bond would right. look at the world from the past right exactly and now he is taking this man that says like oh no no, no yeah. women are this and he's like no nah, no women aren't that no like, she's go. she's She's she does Shoot. what she's told. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's 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 that about and I I feel like Skyfall and and Casino Royale talk to each other, which is why I keep mentioning Skyfall very much. That's why I keep mentioning Skyfall because Quantum of Solace is like the direct sequel. Yeah, but Skyfall is what actually uh, continues the themes and the ideas that we're talking about. Exactly. And it negates some of them in a way that makes me not really enjoy Skyfall as much, but I think it's the same way where uh, Casino Royale came out 10 years ago, and the more I think about it, I'm like, wow, what a classic uh, movie. Uh, uh, In particular, it's the uh, uh, Vesper tells him like, oh you're probably an orphan mm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. we find out that, that is not correct right that he was born of a um a scotsman and right. a swedish woman right right which makes him not british at all right so right, right. which well, is like the best fucking thing you could do right as well to the character is make him like he, he, i'm not he's gonna be all. an orphan yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah, we yeah. already put in point in casino royale we're like right. oh he's an orphan at some point making it that uh neither of his parents were british that right one was scottish exactly. one was swedish exactly and, this, and that he was brought in and the only reason that he has this uh for queen and country mm-hmm. um kind of thing to him 
is because that's what's been impressed upon him right. is way better for right. what his character is supposed to be, which is a guy that does what he's told, who is right. all of a sudden going through all of these different feelings that make right. him go, wait, who am I? Right. So uh, to use, this is, this is ridiculous, but to use Spectre as an example of what doesn't what what where they went wrong they were doing really well with the daniel craig arc of james bond Mm -hmm. as a character what i didn't like about specter aside from the fact that was just kind of stupid the plot um it felt like they had a really interesting character concept in mind with christoph valse's character but they also decided that that guy had to be Blowfield. Yeah. And then once they made that decision that he was also Blowfield, they also had to... Now they have to shoehorn Blowfield canon into the mm-hmm. story. And it's like, oh... And then it's like, you know... So the scene so where, like, James Bond is like, the fir- oh, there's the a first, cat. Like, yeah, and the first, like, like oh, two-thirds of Spectre are yeah. fucking great. And when they yeah. try to, like, just, like, shoehorn Shoehorn this, the whole Blowfield James thing. James Bond, you're right. like, oh, shut... Wait, wait, yeah, like, what? Really? And he's like, oh, hey, pussy. And I'm like, oh, of course, there's Blowfield's fucking white fuzzy cat. Because, of <laughs> course... Because they're trying to make us buy into this whole idea of, like, Blowfield is James. And that's the the other thing I didn't like. And this is where the fact that you've read the books intrigues me. Because Spectre tries to make us believe that the guy who grows up to be Blowfield is this random orphaned German kid right. who is kind of sort of raised by James' yeah, dad before James's dad dies in the yeah, tragic they're, way they're that trying the bond, to yeah. do this yeah. weird thing that doesn't make any it goddamn sense. No, I, so I'm, I'm glad you corroborate why, that because it why, didn't seem like it made why sense would, to me. Uh, James Bond, our hero, come from the same spot yeah. As Spectre, exactly. our big villain. Like, exactly. It does not make exactly. any sense. And relax. I feel like... Exactly. And I feel like... It's okay to have, like, a hero build for a couple movies and go, I'm good. Yeah. I am good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we see, like, oh, there's this thing that's been building that's bad. Right. They're bad. Right. But there's no reason to have them, like... We were brothers once. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. That, like, that, that, that's the thing. No that's the thing. That's that. the thing that I think is it's so stupid, and it's like the part of James Bond as a character that is intriguing to me is the idea that he was orphaned at a young age, and that's what makes him a good agent. You know, mm. and that's what that's what M says to him in Skyfall. Orphans make the best recruits. He doesn't have well, emotional I mean, thoughts. That's, and that's that also, line is also said kind of uh, counterintuitive. Right. Where it's like they Silva yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. was a bad example. No, exactly. But 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 I feel like it also leads back to Casino Royale why he connected with right. Vesper. Well that's what makes the whole fucking that's story exactly. so good. Because it like it's nuanced. He didn't know he could connect with anybody like that, and then he connected with her, and that's what makes the way their story ended so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's like he he was like, this is my chance to be a normal person. 
to be with her. Mm. And then, you know, like that blew up in his face and he's like, all right, fine. I guess I'm, I guess I'm James <laughs> Bond. You know, like, I think that's the story of Casino Royale is a guy who was like, he was, he was good at the things that made him a good MI6 agent. And then he met this very compelling woman who was like, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And then because of her, criminal and political affiliations he realized oh maybe this is all i can do mm-hmm. maybe all i can maybe what i'm good at is being james bond and that sets the stage for the next few movies mm-hmm. that's what makes skyfall compelling because he comes back to m after being missing presumed dead because he's like i believe in country i believe in mi6 i believe in whatever and then you know but but that's also what when you set the character up that way, that's what made Spectre bad. Yeah. Is You're actually really right in that. That's, that's kind of a ingrained from the beginning. They're just kind of set up for being bad. If they just like keep going off of that. Right. And that is a very interesting way to look at James Bond. And guess what, everybody, we are going to be launching <laughs> a Overdrinkers fun miniseries throughout the year of 2018 where we're going to be looking at every single James Bond movie one by one in random order with random guests. So if you want to be a guest and you live in the area, come on in, hit us up. And uh, this is the last that we will be talking to Rhea Benerji right now about Casino Royale, but I'm right. I'm sure that you will probably, being a uh, fellow James Bond buff as of course, me, yeah. we'll get you on on another one. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much. And Rhea, thank you so much for coming out here and talking to me about <laughs> Casino getting, Royale. For getting wasted on Vespers and trying to make like intellectual... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like points about right, James yeah. Bond, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> that's the thing that uh, uh, a drink that is primarily just a bunch of vodka and gin <laughs> will do to you. <laughs> but um, please, guys, uh, if you're listening and you really like it, subscribe uh, to us on any uh, podcast thing you have. Go to uh, StoryScreenBeacon.com. You can find a bunch of articles and reviews. Uh, from both myself and Rhea and other people that are talking about a bunch of really cool stuff. You can find us on any podcast uh, little cast that you got. And uh, I think that Overdrinkers will be back with something else different very soon. But we're also going to be doing a bunch of James Bond stuff all throughout 2018. 2018 is the year of James Bond as far as story screen is for sure aware yeah <laughs> and uh thank I'm you guys so much and big thanks to von holt colin chain who makes all of the music for us you're about to hear it in just a second and it is brilliant so <laughs> all right guys thank you guys so much for listening ria again thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for inviting me Have yourselves a good day, and we will see you next time. Bye.
Shakespeare in Love gets a really bad rap, and I will be the well, first I mean, one to say right. that I was a part of that bad rap up until a year ago. And not to make this completely dark, but we must because it's 2018 and this is where we are in culture. Uh, Shakespeare in Love won all the awards it did because of Harvey Weinstein and his political machine. You know, like, that's, he's, like, Shakespeare in Love is one of his success stories of, like, this is what you do and you're marketing a film and how you do the PR campaign behind a movie. And that's how it beats a movie like Saving Private Ryan is because Harvey Weinstein had the arms and the political power to promote the movie in a way that got people to vote for it. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, and that's that's the that's the fucked up. Not to let's not go. No, please do completely. You're, you're, may, or maybe we should go down. You're the best person to talk about. This. So Harvey Weinstein, like, there's you think about how many movies that he has touched, how many movies that he's been an integral part of their success. Um, great movies. The thing is, he was a taste maker, and yeah. his taste was pretty good. I mean, he was a good producer. Yeah. And so, like, you know, Shakespeare... In the sense of... In the sense of, like, What a producer's job is, not, like, all the other things, like, you got to be a good person as well to Right, right. So it's like, you know, you you think about stuff like that, and I'm like, you know, do I... If you're... If you force yourself to think, all right, Harvey Weinstein, garbage human being, horrible person, rapist, but... Oh, absolutely. Are you going to... Are you going to, like, now do we have to discredit movies like Shakespeare in Love and... You know, Goodwill Hunting, all the movies that he had. That's super interesting. You know, like, like I don't, I don't want to not consider these movies anymore. No, I wouldn't. But, and, I, and I, 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 oh, that's an amazing, but he's, interesting thing to think but, about. But you think um, about, I mean, like, it's one thing. We, I mean, you and I have talked about, you know, reconsidering Woody Allen as a filmmaker yeah. and the body of work that Woody Allen has Which created. Which I'm, I'm yeah. breaking into. Of recent times, that's what I was talking to you about the other yeah. day. I, it's I, 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 Woody Allen made me the type of person that I am. His movies made yeah. me the type of person that right, I am. They right, taught right. me, they taught uh, how to uh, be myself and, and not worry about like uh, conforming to the idea of what's cool and what's sexy and what's acceptable. Right. Uh, and, and, and really, really helped me out. And it, it helped high school me. And the yeah. more, the more I learn about him, though, man, it's like fucking but, Jesus. But that's the thing is like that. That's important, and that's not something that I would ever ask you to be like. Now pretend that didn't happen, and you're a terrible person for liking his movies. You know, like it's it's the thing about this particular moment in culture is that it's forcing us to confront things like this, where it's like. These movies meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And if you say, well, these movies are now illegitimate because of the horrible people who are involved in creating these movies, that's like asking you to cancel out portions of your youth, portions yeah. of who you are as a person. Like, this is this is complicated. And it's just as complicated know, as like the reason why people haven't uh, come forward so yeah. much is because they're the, it, it's. They are putting into jeopardy right. their very career, whether their career has been going on for a long time or it's just starting. Yeah. Did you see hear the uh, the the Eliza Dushku? Yeah, True Lies thing. Yeah, which is like. And I'm gonna another thing. I read literally this morning. A woman has come on our out. James Bond podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. We'll get it out of the yeah, way. Yeah. We'll get it out. Of um, 
A woman apparently went on a date with Aziz Ansari. I heard about this I know. today. This was heartbreaking. I read it this morning. I was like, when will it fucking end? Aziz. Aziz, you are one of the good ones. Like, what the hell? You know, like... And I didn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. read it, and it was. It's basically is it like, respectful to go into it right now, or I mean, it 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 might it might be a good entryway into the whole idea of how famous men treat women. I don't know. I mean, like it, we like don't have shit. to get into yeah. detail, but it's like basically she met him at a an Emmy Awards uh, after party, and they like connected, and they went on a date, and he was just very very sexually aggressive with her the whole date, and she was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it, and he was just gross. And, you know, it goes counter to his public persona as, I'm a woke feminist male, you know. Mm. Um, and What's his character in Funny People? What's that? Oh. The, the oh, fake oh, comedian oh, he oh. does. Yeah. I know. Which is yeah, how yeah. I consider him. Yeah. Everybody, well, like, whole, I've like, been made you know, fun of. Like, I, I like Aziz Ansari's stand-ups and I yeah. like him in movies. But I've always been kind of like, ah, something about him rubs me the wrong way. Not that I was predicting anything. Right, right, Just right. that, like, I was like, ah, something about, uh, oh, uh, what, it's like, it's like uh, Jerry or, what is it? he's like, Jerry. Oh, well, I what mean. What is it? Yeah, What's his I, name? What, is yeah, yeah, well, well, uh, he's also like. Is it Jerry? Well, maybe it's Jerry. Barry. I mean, I'm thinking of him on Parks and Recreation as Tom Haverford. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, treat yourself. That's like a, a cultural meme right now. Yeah. Like, that's like, you know, that's him. That's who he was. Master of None was like a huge, big cultural phenomenon because it's like, oh, here's a leading man who is an Indian American male and like, you know, talking about issues of racism and feminism and, you know, romance. And that's like Aziz and Star's whole shtick at this point. He wrote a book about like what it's like to date in modern america right now and so when you have that that's his identity that's his entertainment identity that's his pop culture identity in the world and then you hear this story about how he was like really gross with a girl he went out on a date with it's just like oh come on man like i mean i've been you should know better i I, i've been shitty to Mm -hmm. women in the past Mm -hmm. But I've never, I, I, I would hope that I'd never been gross. Yeah. That's like, I, I've been, uh, I, I've used my uh, sexual promiscuity <laughs> and, uh, you know, like my, I, I, I've fucked around a sure. lot. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I hold myself in high regard that I don't think that I have ever actually done it. Even like the worst things that I've done that to this day... I'm still filled with like uh, paralyzing regret thinking about. Mm-hmm. They are not uh, as bad as a lot of things that are coming to light, which doesn't make me feel better. It just more puts into line like, man, I always thought I was kind of like this shitty person. Right. But, but like, I'm not actually, that. I'm yeah. just, I, I was just kind of like a shitty dude at a time. That was just kind of being shitty to people in general, right? Not necessarily the the women that I was, I guess, uh, romantically or, or, or a better word, sexually involved mm-hmm. with. Right. Uh, but it's the the difference of you do something mm-hmm. and you go, oh, that's not good. That wasn't good. Mm -hmm. I should apologize. Mm -hmm. And you don't. Right. And then 
years can pass or months can pass or weeks can pass or hours can pass. And mm. that person comes out to whether it's one person, two people, five people, the world right. any, or anywhere in between. It's how you react to it. Right. And I have these like little tiny interactions where mm-hmm. I'm like, that was an absolute bullshit, nonsense, stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have done it. And I have a bunch of things that I could blame, my age, my condition at the point, mm-hmm. my conditioning just throughout life as being right. who I am. Right. Uh, or you can just go, you're absolutely right. That haunts me mm-hmm. all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it haunts you more. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I am trying very hard to make the world a better place so that shit like that doesn't happen to anybody else like you or like me. Right. And one of the craziest things about this entire upset in Hollywood mm-hmm. is that all of the people that are being accused, they just immediately go towards denying. Yeah. And there is a there is a inarguable fact that they're not just gonna make this shit up. Right. Especially if they are already people that are in the Hollywood community. Right. Such as Rose McGowan, Elias right. Dushku. Right. What do they have to gain? Right. Right. Except for like the idea, like I guess the big conspiracy idea is like they're trying to fuck over people within the industry that have wronged them. Right. And they're attempting to lie to fuck over their shit. Well, I mean, like... like, all of these people are also already fucked. Like, it's... Well, to bring this back to Shakespeare and love, and then eventually we'll bring it back... uh, Like, this is leading to something I'm I'm going to say about the John Bond films. uh, This is going to be... After the episode, this is, this is the, we're gonna this we're gonna is the, pretty the, much cut the supplement. Out. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna cut out probably like the last twenty minutes uh-huh. or so, and we're gonna move it to the end, so that people that are here to listen to Casino Royale, they'll be like, "What the fuck? You're talking about Harvey Royale. Weinstein? We're fuck gonna move you. this yeah. over to the end, and we'll we'll, we'll let yeah. them go." Yeah. But so like so so Gwyneth Paltrow was one of the people who, after the initial uh, story about Harvey Weinstein was published by the the New York Times article, Ronan Farrow's article was it new york times or the new yorker they both had stories come out about harvey weinstein at about the same time gwyneth paltrow is one of the people who came forward after that stuff came out and said look he was gross with me in the aftermath of shakespeare in love but shakespeare in love was the movie that was like my big hollywood break and i did not feel like it was a safe time to come forward or accuse him because I didn't want my career to be destroyed. This is textbook sexual harassment. That's yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Um, you know, and and it's like it's one of those things where she was dating Brad Pitt at the time and she told Brad what was going on, what, you know, like gross things Harvey had said to her, or, you know, like ways he'd try to come on to her. And Brad basically the story is he confronted Harvey at some event and was like, Don't fucking talk to my girlfriend like that oh, again. Oh god, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like one of those things where like years later, like when they were corroborating Brad Pitt coming know, up to right? you and being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fucking cut yeah, it out, don't bro. Don't fucking talk to my girlfriend that way ever With again. abs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and it's what's what's amazing about these, as these women are coming forward, and then, so Gwyneth Paltrow told that story to the New York Times afterwards saying, yes, I, you know, like, I know that this is true about Harvey Weinstein because he did it to me and this is why I was afraid to speak up. And then they go to Brad Pitt, who was dating her, and Brad Pitt, in the meantime... Mm-hmm. 
married and unmarried to Angelina Jolie. Like there's the Gwyneth Paltrow has had a whole life after her relationship with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt has had a whole life after his relationship with her. But when Brad was asked, did she talk to you about what Harvey Weinstein said to her? He was like, yes, I am going to confirm this was a thing. It was a problem. It was upsetting her. And as her boyfriend at the time, I felt that I needed to say something to him. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, like I'm also an actor. I'm also somebody who's trying to have a career in this industry you know and it's it's, it's, so it's it's fascinating to me how now that the dam has been broken so many people like women are coming forward and men who know these women are coming forward and being like yeah i knew about it too and maybe i should have said something but i didn't know if it was really something i had any place saying anything about it but i i did what i could or i didn't do enough colin firth is somebody who said i didn't do enough um, one of his co-stars had been harassed by Harvey Weinstein and he like heard about it and he was like, I'm so sorry that happened. There's gotta be but tons he was, yeah. of those yeah. where, with people that are like, I knew, yeah. but I mean, the people that, the, the, the people that were being oppressed in, yeah. in, in the sense of that word, that what was going on, that were being assaulted. Right. They couldn't say anything. Right. Of their own accord. And the people around them, it's really this idea that's like, they're not saying anything. I see it's happening. Right. I don't want to start problems for them because they can say anything at mm. any point that they want. But right. being a male actor and especially a white male actor, mm-hmm. they are the ones that could have attempted. Right. And I think that that's what uh, leads to the everybody right now is – Jesus. Yeah. We've allowed this to go on for so long just because of commonality and um, these restrictions that we've put on ourselves, thinking that this is the way that this uh, entire operation is supposed to operate. This is the way the machine mm-hmm. operates. And we're learning that, no, the machine can operate can operate without that. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. Harvey yeah, yeah. Weinstein was uh, with almost inarguably the most powerful man in Hollywood. Yeah. And his ass got fucking chopped. Right. Rightfully. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so now I think that was like a very big message yeah. to everyone. It's almost as if, if we were to chop a, a similar type person in the political regime, it would like mm-hmm. send a message to all of the politicians. Right. And everyone like, you can't act you like can't that anymore. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? Like It's almost <laughs> as if... The night is darkest just before the dawn. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what's going. You, you almost you dropped your glass. <laughs> yeah. 